Lord, I pray that as we open up your word, you'd really speak deeply to our hearts, that even though we hear with our ears, it wouldn't just stop in our brains, it would really reach the, the deepest parts of us, Lord. There's some amazing truth in your word that if we were to believe it, um, wow, you know, it would just make such a difference to our, our lives and to the lives of those around us and to the lives of those in this world that such is the power of your word, Lord. So I pray that you'd give us ears to hear what you'd say tonight through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So who put their hands up saying they'd like to preach? Michaela, was it? <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I've got a nice little um, challenge for you. Would you like to read the scripture tonight? No? That's, and, yeah. I, I always think it's nice to start with a so If ever you sort of want to do anything, it's better to do in front of a group of friends than it is in front of, um, you know, others. So, yeah, look, I'll, I'll put the, uh, the, the invitation out there, but maybe another time. Yeah. Anyone else like to? Anyone else like to read the word? Yeah, good on you, Tim. Come up, mate. Yeah. So it's pretty much there, mate. I don't know if you've got a, a microphone there. Oh, no, that one works. When I just trot on. <laughs> um, so it's just there, mate. The... Oh, the whole thing. Yeah. Cool. No worries. Well, just pick a verse, mate. Just just pick a verse at random. Pick a verse. Yeah. <laughs> when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. Oh, sorry, keep going. Yeah, 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 <laughs> a man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my belief. Uh, my unbelief, sorry. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Thanks, Tim. Excellent. Just a plug for Taylor. Um, Taylor will be playing at... Uh, at Cafe Church this month. I don't know if anyone's had a chance to see um, what they call them, the loop stations. Will you be using the loop station at all? Oh. But what's that redhead singer? That... Ed Sheeran, yeah. <laughs> I'm a kid. I can't appear too, too hip. Um, yeah, Ed Sheeran's awesome at that. Do you, you listen to much Ed Sheeran at all? Um, you, you do? Yeah, he, he's fantastic. Oh, I wouldn't admit it, but man, busted. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, Taylor's fantastic. Praise the Lord for for sending you here. Awesome! I can't, can't wait to see 
what the Lord does in your life, you know. And, and it's interesting because I, I sort of think it's a really awesome time for people to come to faith because the church, the, the atmosphere of, or the environment of the Christian church is so exciting at the moment. I don't know if you really ever think about it, but there's, it's, it's the first time for a long, long time that, that people from different sort of, particularly denominations and that, are getting together. Like you, you guys probably take it for granted that you mix with you know, other kids at Yama and that from other churches. But in general, your parents and certainly your grandparents would just marvel, wouldn't they? Wow, you're mixing with Baptists, you're mixing with, with, um, with Anglicans or you know, Church of England. It really would stun them to think that there's a time right now where we all just get together with God's people. And, and it's, it's fantastic and it's, and it's really, it's a, it's a great thing to celebrate but it's a funny thing too because quite often the words we hear, people hear them with different understandings. So I might say something, for example, like baptism. And for some people, they, they really do believe that, that, particularly with a baby, if you baptise that baby, no matter what happens to it, it'll, it'll, when it dies, it'll go to heaven to be with the Lord. It, it, it's a sense somehow the baptism saves a child. Whereas many of us would think, no, no, belief comes first. Baptism is, is a sort of a display of what's happened on the inside. So, so there are things like that. There's things like, the other thing I think, for example, is communion. We had communion this morning. That some people actually believe that you, you take that bit of bread, it's the actual 100% body of Jesus. So you're reading his flesh. When you drink the blood, it is 100, or the, the wine, it is 100% blood. They really do believe that. And it's sort of many different understandings and, and to the point where we're a little, not quite at this point, but it's just a remembrance. It's nothing more than we remember what he did. I don't think we're quite that far. I, th- I think we, we believe there's a, the presence of God with us, but, but there's, there's a lot of when you say something, it's heard differently. And I think one of the, the biggest ones, one of the ones that I think, man, you know, if people really understood this, it would change everything, is grace. Grace, it, it has, we, we think of grace, a gracious person is someone who walks with an air of grace. We, we, we may, some of us may say grace, this, this word, this sort of prayer to God, before we have dinner. We, we say grace and thank him for stuff. But, but it's, it's in particular amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. There's this real understanding that it's God's unmerited favour. That the, 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 you know, God shows his favour to us, his goodness to us, his blessing to us, but we don't deserve it. And that's particularly an idea of grace. And, and for example, this sermon I, or the, the passage that Tim just read out, can you sort of, if I call this passage Jesus and grace, you'd be going, well, what, what's unmerited favour got to do with a boy with a demon in him? You know, I mean, it doesn't make sense, does it? That, that's, that doesn't make sense. That, that doesn't sound like that poor kid needed unmerited favour. He's been, you know, pretty much tortured since a child. It's nothing he's done. Well, I really want you to listen to tonight's sermon because this passage is all about grace, but not grace perhaps as you consider grace. The idea, this idea of God's unmerited favour on people, and this is really important to hear, that it's basically this whole idea in the Old Testament, time and time and time again, you, people like you and me, flesh and blood, just decided that, you know what, we want to do things I think I'd like to do things my way. 
I think I'd like to decide what's right and what's wrong. And it's at times like that when people have done the wrong thing that God, instead of punishing, instead of giving us what we deserve, what his word says we deserve, actually blesses us. A really great example is is the passage, what we know of as the flood, the great flood. We have this, it's a very easy to understand passage. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. Every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. So God's out of the picture. They don't even think about him. So much so the Lord regretted he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled and he said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created and with them all the animals, the birds and creatures are moving on the ground for I regret that I have made them. He is cranky. But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. So in the midst of this anger that God felt at what was happening, favour. No one deserved favour, no one deserved, but rather than wipe out the whole race, God's favour continues to flow. And we see that. If if you think about the, the Old Testament, that's happening all the time. God said, this is how you should do it. And yet, when laws were broken, God shows his favour. Or even the point, I love this story in, in Judges 6 with Gideon. We did Gideon um, at the end of last year. Gideon was just a, a, a young fellow who was like a farmer. And he was, he was quite a, um, a, a nervous guy. And, and God called him to be a huge judge, a huge um, commander of the army of God. And this, this poor guy, you know, he's sort of going, oh, do I, you know, uh, if you really want me to, Lord, you know, he puts a fleece out and, and, and it's sort of wet and dry and, and he's sort of going, oh. Anyway, he, he's, the Lord comes to him one night and he actually says, I'm going to die. It says in the Bible or, you know, in the law that if anyone sees God, they're dead. And we read, he goes, I'm going to be dead, man, I'm dead. And then we read in verse 23, the Lord said to Gideon, Peace, don't be afraid, you're not going to die. So there, there are situations that even though in the midst of everything else, the hand of God comes and it's almost like this unmerited favour, something different is happening. And, and, and again, just looking up, and we, I've gone through this quite a lot in the Old Testament, there's just this whole cycle. So instead of people doing the right thing, we just see God's grace having to be shown when they've done the wrong thing. They start out doing the, wrong, the right thing, yeah, they, they start out well, they, they, they go to church on Sunday, they, they do all the good things they should be doing, then all of a sudden they, they think, yeah, I don't see anything wrong with that. And slowly and surely they, they drift away from God and, and get themselves in big trouble. And it's at that point they go, oh, whoops, that's right, I shouldn't be doing that. They cry out to God and we see his grace, his favour, that he actually responds to their prayers, responds to their change of heart and, and just as a result... They, get, they don't get what they deserve. They get grace. They don't, they get, or they get what they don't deserve. They get the favour of God. And he wipes out their enemies and he has peace. And that's a continual pattern. And that's your Old Testament. Grace. It's God's unmerited favour. By the time of Jesus... There was this understanding with the people of God. They thought, we don't want to go through this pattern anymore. We want to cry out to God. We we actually want his hand on our lives. We actually are sick of breaking the law. And so there was this real sense of, you know, we don't want to lose 
that presence of God and, and yet it seemed there was nowhere to be found. They thought, well, what's going on? If, if we can't feel God, you know, we're crying out to him, what's going wrong? What's, someone's doing something wrong. Someone must be committing a crime because God's favour isn't upon us. It's almost like they had the view of God by then. He was just, oh, I'm so sick. You've just tested my patience so much. You know, I, I really am quite fed up of blessing you, of, of showing my grace. Yeah, if you do the right thing, I might think about it. It's just this real sense of if we, if we can sway God's hand, he might do something. But really, his patience has been tested so much in the, in the Old Testament, he's frankly fed up with them. And so he's not showing up, he's, he's not really around. And that's, that's really how they felt. They were just crying out to God for deliverance. And, and, and the fact is they've missed what they've missed. And this is something that's so important for us sitting here when it comes to grace. Every time God showed grace, it was a powerful event. God intervening in their everyday lives. If things didn't stay the same when grace came. With grace comes power. They, they never experienced God powerfully. Certainly they were wishing they did. They wished that they'd see the Romans you know, driven out of the land. They wished they did see that, but they hadn't. And so somehow they think, if we, if, you know, maybe if we, we're good enough people, maybe if we do the right thing, God will show up. And they're trying desperately to convince God they're good people. But it's not working. They're, they're just, they find themselves, the fact that the Romans are there, they're constantly trying to do the right thing, but all around them, they're just seeing people trash, people like this young boy. There's just no, it just seems that God's silent. And this is the big however. They've missed something powerful that God has done. He has answered their prayers. So much so that this God they've been praying to for centuries is in their midst. He's actually walking amongst them. Delivering people. He is doing everything that God did in the Old Testament. People are being saved. People are being healed. And he declares this wonderful thing, the unmerited favour. Well, he's declaring, yes, this is the year of the Lord's favour. I mentioned this this morning, Jesus in his first sermon says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. It's freedom. And Jesus came to give people freedom, but most important, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And it's not just the year as in way back then, 2,000 years ago. It's the time, the era. This is the era. This is the, the season, if you like, of the Lord's favour. It rests upon us now. It, it, it's not something that's come and gone. And, and look, we're so blessed in hindsight, the people of God realised who he was. They realised the hand of God upon Jesus. They realised exactly who was in their midst. And so they, they can write about him. And we can read, for example, these amazing passages in John. In John's Gospel, as John is one of his best mates, thinks, oh, my mate, Jesus, he was, he was this, he was the Word, the God that had become flesh. And he made his dwelling among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of unmerited favour. Yes, well, that's true, isn't it? Jesus is the unmerited favour of God. We didn't deserve a, a, a saviour that died for us. That's part of it though, but there's more. And in verse 16 we, we read this, Out of his fullness we have all received grace 
in place of grace already given. And another version says this, we have all benefited from the rich blessings he brought to us. We've all benefited from the rich blessings he's brought to us. Blessing upon blessing heaped upon us. That sounds like something profound has happened in Jesus, doesn't it? Something profound, just like in their Old Testament, when the hand of God was on the human race, the grace that was poured out was powerful. But to really understand grace, we need to look at Jesus and really understand Jesus as grace. One of the great benefits these Christians have that wrote stories like this is their hindsight. They can sort of say, well, this happened, and we can sort of see, looking back, what we missed back then, it makes sense now. And this is what it is, it's grace upon grace. Jesus is this gift to the human race that just wants to keep on giving. Let me say that again. Jesus is the gift from heaven to us who wants to keep on giving, wants to keep on blessing, grace upon grace upon grace. And and Graham, we we prayed for him earlier, he has this wonderful image of grace, this this power and presence of God that's like the, the waves of the ocean. If you stand on the seashore, you're not going to be able to stop the waves. And it's wave upon wave, grace upon grace, blessing upon blessing is flowing to us through Jesus. All because he was crucified in this beautiful saying, you know, grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. That we are so blessed because God in Jesus Christ is always with us. His presence is always with us. That's so important to understand. It's not like the Old Testament where his presence seemed to come and go. We have his presence with us and grace upon grace is poured out. And with this constant grace, as I've said, it's not just unmerited favour, it's his presence. It's his empowering, constant presence. I love this quote. See if I can read it. Grace is the enabling gift of God not to sin. Grace is power, not just pardon. So we're not just pardoned. We have the power of God given to us. His constant presence allows us to continue what he continued on earth. And in this story today, we're seeing grace in action, as a, not just as an example of what happened back then, but this promise that what happened back then can happen through us if we have an understanding particularly of grace and prayer. Jesus, and just before this story, there's the story of Jesus and three of his disciples they join Jesus on an all-night prayer. He's up there praying to his father on top of a mountain. And the, and the presence of God comes in such a powerful way. It's like a you know, revelation that this light is just upon Jesus. It's called the transfiguration. He just has the presence of God, the glory of God upon him. The father declaring, this is my son, Jesus. You know, this, is, this is the son of God. Do as he says. And then these wonderful, powerful men of God Moses and Elijah turn up. It's, a, it's heaven on earth on top of that mountain. And you can imagine, I don't know if you can, but can you imagine what it must be like just being in the presence of God in that place? It would have just been stunning. It would have been just life-changing. And, and Peter, and they're just absolutely pumped. And so they leave this mountain. So we get to this story that I read today, and, and, and there they are. This is God. This man that, that's walking with us, he's God. And, and, and they get down there and they come down to earth with a bang. The other disciples, the ones that didn't get to go up there, they're in the midst of this massive argument. 
It's almost comical if it wasn't so heartbreaking. The fact that in this, this man who, who must have somehow heard that Jesus was around, he'd heard what Jesus was doing with other people that had been demon-possessed and thought, my son, he's been like this for, you know, for years. Maybe Jesus can help him. He, he brings Jesus to the disciples. Not only can they not help, but they're involved in this massive argument. It's, it's, just, it's, it's just heartbreaking when they realise that just around the corner is God. And they, something's gone wrong, obviously. They haven't understood. And I can just imagine what that argument was about, that the men, you know, that these religious men, well, if, you know, he must have done something wrong or the dad must have done something wrong. You can't, it's, it's, you know, he's, he's cursed. Just this horrible sort of you know, condemnation upon this poor kid. They couldn't do anything for him or you're not saying the right words or who are you or, you know, da-da-da, you've got to do this, got to do that. And Jesus... This, this son of God who just, you know, hours before heaven was on earth, he's just standing in their midst. Just, you, you hear the heartbreak of God's dealing with humans. He's, he's so indignant. Here he is, he's, he's the son of God on earth. He's, he's full of the Holy Spirit, the glory of God's upon him. And he just shows he just declares how hard it is, even if God's so close, how hard it is when you're just working from unbelief. How hard it is, even with God present, if you have unbelief, how hard it is to see anything happen. However, how easy it is if you do have faith and you do believe. How, how easy is He says in verse 19, how, you know, how hard it is, you unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? I wonder. Do you wonder if that's what Jesus feels like when he's in our midst? Yeah, this, is the, this is God himself who for, for centuries has, has created humans like you and me, placed them on the earth. Just the potential he saw in each and every one of us is enormous. And yet in the misses, as God walks amongst people, you unbelieving generation, why won't you believe? Why? why? What is it that's stopping you believing? How long do I have to put up with, with unbelief? You know, and God knowing what's possible. And I see, you know, again, I've got you know, God venting his frustration at the human race. God has so much hope for us. As a race, he's got so, for each and every one of us. He's got so much hope. He's put us on earth at this time and this place to pour out his blessing through us, just like he did with Jesus. If only we'd believe him at his word. Instead, and I've got here repeat this. Instead, we're sidetracked by the very one who possesses this boy. I want to say that again. Instead of faith rising up in us, we're sidetracked. We're made to believe or made to not believe that Jesus can still do what he's promised he'll always be able to do. And we get sidetracked instead of being so filled with faith. Amen. Your presence is with us, God. We want to see your glory poured out in this world. Instead, oh, well, you know, it doesn't doesn't do that anymore or we've been told he doesn't do it or you know 
that's, that's a bit presumptuous or da-da-da-da-da. A thousand and one lies get in our head by the one who possesses the boy that doesn't want to see the power of God unleashed. And, and, and it can happen particularly when we let our circumstances dictate our God. This is, you know, God doesn't do this anymore because he hasn't done it for me. It's a really hard thing to say, but, but the, the promise he has is that all things are possible for you who believe. And it's funny that the same Holy Spirit's presence that was in Jesus is in, the Bible says, in each of us and is with us. Well, at the end of the passage, he says to the disciples, there is an answer. There's an answer. How did it come out? I'll tell you, the only way it comes out is through prayer. Who here, I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up, but who here doesn't pray? I'm sure people here pray. So what's going on if, if our prayers, in a sense, don't see this sort of fruit? And I really sat on that this week. Why is it, God? Why is it that our prayers are ineffective? Again, I think back to the Old Testament. An Old Testament view of God, remember, you do the right thing, you're blessed. If you do the right thing, you can expect God's, God's good stuff to happen. Life goes okay. And when that's happening, you don't really need God, do you? If, if everything's going smoothly, you really don't need God. And, and we, we may not mean to, but we treat God like he's far away. We only, we, we, yeah, and it's, we don't do it on purpose. I think it's a very human thing to do. But we actually, instead of sort of realising he's right here in the everydays with us, in a sense we, we do go about our lives. And, and it's like we're in a plane. Everything's going well. We're flying, you know, going really well. We, we're not in, in contact with air traffic control. We're not going to bore them. You know, we just want to enjoy the flight. But the moment we're in distress, we send out an SOS signal to air traffic control, but there's no reply. It's like, what's going on? How come he's not answering our prayers? Doesn't he care? Is he distracted? It's an Old Testament understanding that somehow, you know, what's going on? He's not noticing or he's ignoring it or he can't do anything. You know, we're sort of allowing our theology of prayer or whatever to, to impact, you know, God's, the way God answers, you know, unbelief comes in. You unbelieve it. We assume God doesn't care. We assume, again, like those people surrounding the disciples, well, you know, someone's done something wrong. God may not want to. All, all these sort of false understandings of, 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 of why this is happening in the first place. God doesn't want us to have that. He doesn't want us to be filled with that sort of unbelief that would say he can't do anything more, he doesn't care, you know, what's the point of praying? Just go to the doctor, just do this, go, just do that. Against this, Jesus said back then and surely says to us today, all things are possible, everything is possible for one who believes. And I love that. Bring him to me. You know, bring him to me. You can't do anything for this boy on your own, but you have the presence of God with you. Bring all your problems, bring people to Jesus. Let him minister to them. Because he shows then and now how easy it is for someone who really has that belief that God can still do anything. 
and, and I was particularly motivated to preach this a couple of weeks ago. We went, went to this amazing healing rooms next door. It was just, again, uh, Luke and, and Lil was there and, and Mary and, and Anne. We'd prayed for Anne the week before about an anointing of healing. And someone came in and, and it was just a, it was miraculous to, to watch it. It was, it was one of those really special times. And, and it's lovely because they're becoming more and more familiar because we believe God can do this. This is effortless for our God. And just the way that we've trusted that he's called us to have a healing ministry here. He's called us to seek him. And you know, ask and seek and knock and, and persist in prayer. We're finally seeing miracles. We had a couple came up from Sydney today because they'd heard down in Sydney what God's doing up in the healing rooms here and wanted to rush up here because it's like, yes, we, want, we need this. Thank God this is our God. He's healing. We want to be where he's at. And so I, I pray this knowing what I've seen just next door. You may not have seen it, but I want to tell you, stuff like that either happens or it doesn't. We've seen stuff you can't rationalise away. Praise God, that's my God. I want to say everything's possible for, for my God. I believe everything's possible for my God. And Jesus shows how effortless it is when we pray with belief. But here's the, the big difference between praying with an Old Testament view of somehow God's far off and you know we only contact him in trouble if he doesn't do anything then then you know maybe maybe something's you know he's, he's cranky at us or something to this new testament view in the old testament god and 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 um and matt talked about this this morning god blessed the land he blessed the people it was known as a geographical blessing it was in a sense god was in heaven and and sometimes in the temple and it generally if they did the right thing the blessing would be on them it was dependent on on them doing the right thing they did well, it went well. They didn't do the right thing, they'd suffer. This is our belief. This should be the belief of New Testament Christians. God is always with us. We have grace upon grace, blessing upon blessing. Now, I said back before, if they did the right thing, they, could, they, they may expect God to respond. Here's what this, the, the New Testament tells us about us. God made him, and I've got here, learn this. You know, this is a powerful scripture. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Not just have the righteousness, but become. We are righteous. And, and scripture would go as much as far as to say that, that even though you're sitting here in flesh and blood, you are spiritual kings and queens. In God's eyes, you, you are glorious. You are his sons and daughters forever through Jesus. You are the righteousness of God. The spirit of God lives in you for goodness sake. That is a mighty thing that Old Testament could only have dreamt what we're told. And a believing generation gets to see how much that all things are possible for him who believes encompasses. We get to see it if we believe it. It doesn't matter what we've been taught. It doesn't matter anything else. If we will believe that God is still capable today of working like that, the promises of Scripture say yes and we can back it up. 
If you believe that this is possible, there's a thousand and one scriptures that talk about the grace of God, his his blessing upon us, his empowering presence upon us to do all these things that are possible. I've got here, it's it's not a generational blessing. It's far more, hear this, it's far more than just God giving you enough good stuff because he's happy with you. Giving you good gifts, you know, like here, here I'm going to pour out my, you know, the, the dosh on you. It's, it's not about that geographical, it's a positional blessing. A positional blessing. It's who you are in Christ is far more important than what you've got. And in one day in heaven we're going to see what we've got. <laughs> and it's going to make everything we could ever get down here pale in comparison to the riches, the treasures in heaven stored for us. So that understanding, this is who we are. And the Old Testament would say something like, stay put, do the right thing for the blessing. The Old Testament, the New Testament says go. And as you go, the blessing will follow you because Jesus wants you to go and bless the world. You are the righteousness with God. You've got that constant empowering presence of God in you and with you. That's the reality. Believe that. Believe that that's what, what Scripture says. And you get to take that presence way beyond your family or your, your, your neighbourhood. It, it extends. It's, it's this presence that the whole world could be yours. In fact, you know, the riches, it's far more than just what he can give you in your wallet. You know, it says in, in Ephesians 1, Paul says... Every spiritual blessing is yours in Christ Jesus. Every. I mean, for goodness sake, I wonder if you could list a handful. But there is like millions. There's blessing upon blessing upon blessing is yours in Christ Jesus. Every spiritual blessing is yours. In fact, a few verses later he says, it's the riches of God's grace. This is not talking about his unmerited favour. The riches of his empowering presence is in you. Read Ephesians. Paul is so excited as he thinks about the potential. I'm excited as I think about the potential. If we would understand grace, we don't need to be an unbelieving generation. I've got here the world would buy. If they really understood this, if they they did a, a, a... a study on the riches of God's grace and God said, well, you know, for X number of dollars, you can have it, they'd they'd spend it. They'd want it. They'd want this power that can change the world. We already have it. It's limited by by what's going on up here, by the faith or the unbelief that we will show. And unlike, I've got here, unlike the people who send out a distress signal, Hoping it gets seen. Yeah, we don't pray like that. There's, there's so many verses, but here's one in 1 Peter 3, verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Anyone righteous here? Everyone put their hands up? <laughs> Scriptures say you are. If you have Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, you are the righteousness of God. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their prayer. So when we pray, it's not, oh, if it's your will, Lord, it is. Like, God, you are God. Even down here in Blackheath with these problems happening, you're still God. You can do anything. We come to you and, and, he, and he hears our prayers. 
And I've got here as, as, the, as the subtitle for the, the, the sermon, you are not Israel. Don't have that view somehow you need to influence God. Somehow if you do the right thing or, or uh, contrite enough or any of that, work from a place of who you are. You know, John says, doesn't he, that, that help me, you know, that, that scripture, you, know, you are the, the children of God. That's, that's who you are. The, 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 which he's lavished on us. Help me. <laughs> Something about his, um, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we would be called children of God. And that's who you are. And understanding who we are. Understanding, okay, if that's God, maybe I need to grow a bit. Maybe I need to show a bit more faith. Maybe I actually do need to say, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord, that all I've shown is unbelief. Just like the Father. I do believe. I do believe. I believe, you know, God, that you can do amazing things, but, but I've also got a bit of unbelief there. You know I mean? Did you, he hasn't given me this. He hasn't done this for that person. And somehow, because that's happened, that's shaped who I think he is. And I've got a beautiful passage here to bless you with, and I hope it blesses you. Is Matthew six thirty one to thirty three? Don't worry, saying, "What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear?" The pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. That's saying, you know, we live in that sort of world, don't we? You know what I mean? Yeah, the world runs after its value in, in what it can gain, what it has, and, and God knows we need them. God knows, but he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And that is, there are things we have as the people of God that they, the the, the non-Christian, doesn't have access to. Seek them first. Put them before everything else. And what does the next part say? And all these things will be given to you as well. Put God first. Because he's he's already, in a sense, put you first. He's actually said, each and every one of you, I, I had the time and place. You know, worked out beforehand. You live, especially you younger people, you, you live in a time where there's a, God's doing a beautiful new thing. He, he's drawing denominations together, drawing people together. And teaching like this, you know, thank, thank God we have the opportunity to, to open up the word of God and, 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 and look at it and say, why would this have changed? And we get to see evidence next door and I hope more and more in in wherever we go that God is still powerful. We get to see it. And and I pray that as you, you, in a sense, you you sort out your stuff with God. Lord, I I do believe. Lord, I I don't want to even have this unbelief anymore. I want it gone. I I just want it in your light. This, This is so, in your glorious vastness, this is such a minute problem. Praise God. May, may, the, may that sort of healing presence that happens on a Sunday, every second or whatever Sunday, may that overflow to this room on the Sunday night. But it takes people to say, I do believe, forgive my unbelief, but I actually just want to seek you first. And let's pray. Let's pray. Oh Lord, if you're there... Um, can you hear us? Uh, Lord, um, I don't know. Um, 
You don't pray that, do you? That's right. Do you care, Lord? You know, what have I just said? God, you, your eyes are fixed upon us. They never depart from us. I pray people here are just absolutely encouraged by that. that. That's a word for them tonight. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears, the ears of your God are attentive to your prayer. God loves you so much. It doesn't matter what you have or you don't have. Seek first his kingdom. Seek first his righteousness. Everything else, the promise is, not might be added, they will be added. Lord God, I I want to pray particularly for our our young ones. Lord, may may they not be, um, be shaped by unbelief. May they not allow experience or circumstances or bank balances or, or, or doctor's um, diagnoses be, the, be the, the, the ultimate authority, the ultimate statement of their life. But they are people indeed who walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, you'll sort out all the other stuff, Lord. All we need to do is come to you as the one who we, we read all things are possible. With, with humans, you know, things are impossible, but not with our God. With our God, all things are possible. May we have childlike faith. Lord, and, and I've said tonight, you know, instead we're sidetracked by the very one who possessed this boy. Lord, we just want to pray against the whispering of the evil one in our ears that said, forget about it. God doesn't care that much. Forget about it. This is your lot. May we just trust all things are possible. And and, and Lord, we pray you'd pour out blessings, but even when it seems you don't, Lord, may we just remember we are always blessed. That they are poured out on us, even if we don't see them in the way we think. We just pray that the blessing upon blessing, grace upon grace, favour upon favour, we would just receive it. And Lord, I, I do I want to pray for each and every person tonight. I, want to, I just want to believe, Lord, that something I've said has, has sort of really hit the heart. Is he really there? That somehow I've been the answer to someone's prayer coming here tonight. God, if you're really there, show me. And you would just want to say to those people, you know them so personally. Your eyes are always upon them. You're attentive to their prayers. That Lord, tonight they would just trust you afresh. That you would say to them, you, you've, you've known them since they, even before they were born. You knitted them in their mother's womb. You're always there. They are never outside of your presence, Lord. And for those, Lord, I want to pray finally for those who have faith. Lord, may you just stretch that faith out. May, may, may over the coming weeks, give them opportunities to step out in faith. Give them opportunities to say, God has opened up this door. God has given me this opportunity. I'm going to step into it. And it's going to stretch you and it's going to make you just 
know God's presence and power in a way that you can only imagine right now. But he would say to you tonight, everything is possible for one who believes. Lord, I I pray for the grace of God upon each and every one of us, your empowering presence. We know we have your unmerited favour. May we know what it is to have your empowering presence with us. Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen.